Yeah, my name's Terry Guy from Seeker Walls. You're listening to Rebel Radio. <laughs> Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, I'm sitting with Terry Guy. He's the founder of Secret Walls. I love this company and this brand and and everything they're doing. If you don't know, Secret Walls is a series of graffiti battles happening all over the world. Um, They they have them online. They have them popping up in the metaverse uh, soon, if not already. And um, it's just a really cool story of, of, you know, this brand that's built on culture and, and I love the way he talks about putting the culture first and the community and using that to build a great company. Some great lessons. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Let's get into it right now with Terry Guy. I'm, I'm excited to dig in and, yeah. and see how you got to this point. Um, so I always like to start at the very beginning. And I think for a lot of us, music defines our lives. Um, do you remember the first record you ever bought for yourself? First record is a, a record MC a Hammer. Piece of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a vinyl. I didn't really have vinyl, but okay. M- MC Hammer nice. randomly because he was wearing those big baggy pants. And uh-huh. I saw I saw a few tracks that, that caught my imagination. Um, and that's in London? Yeah, uh, no, actually, I'm from the Isle of Wight, which, okay. um, so going right back from a little place called the Isle of Wight, which is like a, a Victorian beach island in the very south, um, mm. known really for famous music festivals like the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix. I think it was Hendrix's last ever gig before oh, wow. he passed in London, but um, they used to do 100,000 plus like uh, festivals down there. Um, so I came from there, grew up there, no graffiti, no street art. I kind of scraped my way through college, um, learning computer programming and, and, okay. and, and bits. Just about got enough to get to university that then got me to London. And that was the kind of ticket to here's the real world. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I kind of f- f- jumped in the deep end, didn't know any, anybody in London um, and got exposed to graffiti. I was into hip hop already. Mm-hmm. So talking about music, I was, I was you know, I bought a lot of um Biggie, Tupac, and I was into all the East Coast, West Coast stuff. Yep. Um, and then I went to a B-Boy event. Again, never been before, but it was kind of like this B-Boy battle weekly dance-off thing. And I was like, this is awesome. And I saw graffiti on the walls and I was 19, 18 at the time. And that kind of just it blew my mind. And, and kind of that really seeded Secret Walls. Like it was another two years before Secret Walls was a thing. Yeah. But I started networking in those circles and started to like see a path, you know. So, um, so where, does, where does that shift happen if you're, you're studying computer programming and you've got your sort of like passion on the side? Yeah. Do you remember it? those worlds coming together and, and deciding, yeah. okay, this is going to be my path. So I was studying digital animation uh, and um, computer design mm. for my degree. Okay. So it kind of moved from coding to website design and animation and Maya and all these like old softwares that mm-hmm. maybe don't even exist anymore. Um, I, I thought in my head I was going to be an animator for like Disney or something. I, I thought that was the dream. Okay. Um, but quite quickly, year, year and a half into the course, I realized I was probably one of the worst in my class and I was going to just about coast through again, which was kind of the story up to that point. Sure. Wasn't very good at education. Um, and I was always focused on, you know, what, what the shortcut might be or the hustle or the passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I went to that B-Boy event and started me mixing graffiti artists and seeing kind of talent on a wall that was only selling for like $30 at the time. It's like canvas is this big for like 50 bucks. So I was just like, this is crazy. Like what's going on? Realized galleries weren't giving street artists a chance. Banksy hadn't started really then. It wasn't, Banksy wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. I went to a Banksy show around that time and he was selling work for like a hundred pounds a print which I regret hopefully, not buying. Hopefully you bought a bunch of them. I didn't, yeah, oh. but I wish I did. But I read a story that some student spent 
thousands of pounds of their student loan on multiple prints and basically ended up with a few hundred thousand um, a few years later. But it was a it was a it was a tough time for those kinds of artists. And I just started to hear a regular narrative and it, and we kind of formed this thing called Monorex, which is still a business today, but it was the original collective. Um, and that was me being the kind of website designer slash manager of a crew of graffiti artists that we felt we could build something around. We didn't really know what. And it started as a party, live art party. Mm -hmm. We thought that was going to be a way to market ourselves. Um, filled a room, had some crazy canvas, live art, like DJ experiences. And then I just needed to like figure out what, how do you then elevate that? And that's kind of where sequels came from. It was like, how do we create something that people care more, you know, more for, and the narrative is extended and, I'm a big soccer guy or football guy, um, and uh, I, I recently saw Fight Club and the Warriors, and there was a lot of competition and battles and things in my head, and the b-boy battles and the rap battles, and I just thought, well, why don't we just do an art battle? I, we weren't the first, obviously. Sure. You know, there was graffiti battles way before us, but that was all part of the inspiration. Um, so Secret Wars was born from that, and, and uh, I suppose, yeah, it just snowballed from there. It's time to reboot your credit card with Apple Card. Apple Card gives you up to 3% unlimited daily cash back. It's real cash you can spend right away. No need to wait and wait for rewards. Apply now in the Wallet app on iPhone to see your credit limit offer with no impact to your credit score. Subject to credit approval, daily cash is available via an Apple Cash Card or as a statement credit. See Apple Card customer agreement for terms and conditions. Apple Cash Card is issued by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Accepting an Apple Card after your application is approved will result in a hard inquiry, which may impact your credit score. So going back to that, that first night, or was like, was there a moment when you realized we've got something? That was the first battle. Yeah. yeah so we, again, I just naively booked a bar in Shoreditch, which is, which is now kind of like the Williamsburg of England, like London. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was kind of drug dealers and you know hookers and just crazy shit on the streets but we booked a cheap bar 500 people turned up queue around the corner Ooh. something clicked and it was before social media so it was like just as myspace was kicking off we used myspace but really it was um it was the physical flyer drops that we were doing and mm -hmm. word of mouth and sure. we somehow struck gold first night and um there was just an appetite you could see you could feel the like the electricity in the air um and everybody was like, is this a tournament? I'm like, mm, no, it was, it was a one-off event. We, but yeah, it can be. And then all of a sudden, 16 artists were signed up. And I built a, a kind of monthly knockout series with, um, that, that, that spanned like six months. And then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. We had to keep scaling the venue. Still weren't really making any money. It was kind of like, take a little bit off the bar. You know, mm -hmm. when the bar hits a certain right. number, get some of the door but it kind of covered itself. And I was working three part-time jobs and kind of still studying. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, I wasn't, it wasn't a company, it wasn't a business, it was really, right. it was a lifestyle. Sure. Um, but it, I suppose the, the, the short answer is Reebok called us up maybe near the end of that tournament and were like, can you come to Barcelona and um, uh, set up this battle inside a Reebok kind of booth that was huge and, and they were just at the time doing a Pharrell Williams um, shoe drop the mm -hmm. ice cream drop mm -hmm. and uh, they were like we need something to pull a crowd to, to kind of you know rally around this ice cream shoe release and we want you to battle every day for five days and we were like okay Yes. Uh, we're like 30,000 pounds. So we just made up a number, you know, plus flights and sure. Airbnb and flew a squad of 15 of us out there, hosted this Reebok tournament. And um, yeah, we had stars turn up and Pharrell and Thierry Henry, the soccer star. And it was kind of from that point, it was like, shit, this is a business. And mm -hmm. there's like opportunities to travel. And then all of a sudden someone in Tokyo was like, can you come to a design festival? And then someone you know in amsterdam was like can you come over here and do this thing here and yeah. it just became a, a non-stop kind of thing so nice yeah um you mentioned you know obviously there's battles you know we had the levitz battles here yeah. in the 80s uh you know stuff like powwow right yeah How, were you even aware of that kind of stuff at the time like were you pulling 
inspiration from those guys or were you just kind of in your own world and didn't even know about it? Not really LA culture or yeah. history. I, I mean, I knew about American graffiti mm-hmm. history a little bit, you know, from watching certain DVDs, right? So mm-hmm. Star Wars, etc. And I knew OG Slick had battled one time when he was a young kid who's now a friend and sequels artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew bits, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I was, I was kind of, again, building this plane as it as we were trying to fly. Sure. But obviously, yeah, it was heavily influenced from graffiti culture and street art. Mm-hmm. Well, street art wasn't even really a thing then. It didn't really yeah. have a name at the time. But um, yeah, bits and bob- bobs. And, and then I found out there was a thing called... Um, there was like another art battle in New York that, that, that it kind of started around the same time as us. Mm-hmm. So then we realized that there was competition in the space and that was good. You know, it was like, okay, cool. That kind of like gets you going again. Sure. So we, um, yeah, we were trying to make up our own rule set, which I think we did pretty well. Yeah. And it was very soccer inspired again, because that's me and Jimmy's big mm-hmm. passion. It was um, 90 minutes on the clock. That's a soccer game. Mm-hmm. What, you know, team versus team or one versus one. There's like a left and a right to, you know, and then uh, crowd cheer slash two guest judges, three point system. It was, it was very basic, but it was different from your, you know, usual kind of graffiti battle. Um, we tried to just carve out our own rule, rule set. Yeah. So, was uh, was there some early mistakes that you made that you thought let's not do that again? <laughs> yeah, add color was <laughs> was one thing. I tried color uh, for a, a rum sponsored event once upon a time. Uh-huh. They were like, you need to use a certain red. Mm. We took a check, you know, and sure. kind of at the time it was good money. So, we, and but the color just didn't work in the world of the black and white vibes that we were building. Again, that was kind of, uh, there's lots of graffiti battle, mural events, festivals in full color. Let's mm-hmm. just do this thing in black and white. Mm-hmm. So color was, a, for me back then, a mistake for an experiment. You so know. what do you think that's like, creating that limitation of black and white, what does that do? Originally it helped differentiate us from everything else mm-hmm. and it kind of helped build a brand like i suppose supreme you got the red and white and you just you just know like you yeah. see this that colorway weirdly it's i don't know it's something something in the head right it just kind of clicks and yeah. certain brands come to mind so anybody that looked at black and white murals or art thought sequels even though not everything that, that was black and white was ours but mm-hmm. it kind of just helped us own a lane um We've actually embraced color now, but that's a whole other story. But like um, now that we've gone full digital battles, um, Jimmy twisted my wrist and said, let's bring color in and let's take color onto Instagram. And literally last month we added color in and I kind of protected the OG battle and said, this is untouched. This stays black and white. This is the heritage. Mm -hmm. But I'm all for the future of 3D, 2D artists in our world should use color and we kind of found a compromise and and now I'm fully behind it but sure. I was yeah at the time I was kind of like allergic to the the color thing um but but yeah still love the the black and white simple you know kind of effect I think um it just it stands out you, you come to a battle you see it on stage those white lights on a black and white wall 50 foot and you got hundreds of people standing in front of that just the way it pops once yeah. Once you add color into those, it kind of, for me, it gets a little bit scrappy, a little bit mm-hmm. messy. So um, visually, it just there's a summit there that just just pops. Sure. So I love that. I mean, one of the things I love about the story is you're you're figuring it out as yeah. you go, like you said, and you're and you're learning to run a business and lead people and yeah, all that stuff at once. Um, and now you got you know, like I said, you know, Jimmy says let's do color, and then. Ultimately, it's down to you to decide what fits and what doesn't. Yeah, and that's kind of the growth. And you know, organically, as you build a business that wasn't really meant to be a business, that was originally a lifestyle and a way of traveling the world. And um, there's kind of the the we've kind of built it back to front. Some people say is like you know, you guys built a scene and a culture and an event before you actually made money and, and that, that was by design you know it was like it was a passion project sure but now we're like okay we're big enough and we have the opportunity to call nike or you know speak to the mls or whoever and pitch an event and you know pay artists very well and, and we're proud to like always push you know for biggest you know biggest budgets and mm-hmm. you know biggest kind of artist fees and djs and we're always trying to scale and well, that's taking time and, mm-hmm. and energy but um 
we're still weirdly like this bootstrap kind of startup. You know, like you saw the the studio is there's, sure. there's a handful of us here. There's two two guys in Chicago, and then a, a bunch of virtual kind of support. But um, it's still very scrappy. I'm I'm founder, but. Uh, we've got some structure now. You know, mm-hmm. we have these like weekly, uh, month, the daily, weekly, and monthly calls where there's real decisions made, and all that's quite new to me. Yeah, it's um, you know that I'm still learning as a founder, CEO. It's mm-hmm. kind of managing your scaling team. You know, that's that's a whole new thing, right? So, how do you balance those things, right? How do you learn and adopt some of that stuff that lets you scale the business, but also preserve the, the culture side and what's special about, you know, you don't want to just become yeah. some shitty business that, you know, gets a bunch of funding and blows through it. And yeah. Yeah. That's the, that is the, the life I've like led for 16 years, like yeah. from the smallest first job to the, the jobs and the opportunities we have now to the investors that call and say, Hey, can we put some money in and have some equity or whatever it is? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I'm the. I always look at myself, and Jimmy's definitely by my side on this. Um, we we have a very strong, protective approach on the brand and the and the scene and the artists. And we uh, Jimmy is an artist and started mm-hmm. as a sequels artist, so mm-hmm. he's been on both sides. But it's like we want to protect that original DNA, but we also need to embrace how do you appeal to the masses and not be so niche. And yeah. you know how do the kids of tomorrow like get into what you do and it's not just graffiti anymore, it's fine artists versus a graffiti artist and digital, et cetera. So we're always evolving and we're having to like, you know, have those conversations. But yeah, as brands and the money gets bigger and all that, that's just a regular thing that we've had to like check and Mm -hmm. check ourselves as we go. It's like certain brand wants to sponsor this. Is it right? First of all, is the brand right? Does it fit with our uh, mission, you know? Or do we do we think that this brand is kind of morally, you know, a brand that we wouldn't want to align with, or they've made moves that don't make sense? That mm-hmm. you know, certain brands, without naming, you know, ripped off artists by stealing murals and putting them in advertisements. Sure. Do you want to align with that kind of brand? You know, where certain, you know, the Futuras and certain artists of the world have had to then take to court to to get paid. You know, yeah. that's like that's they're they're they're, they're kind of the, the things that we're we're always aware of and always thinking about. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a delicate dance, and I remember at the start when graffiti or street art and graffiti was kind of very young, and brands were coming into the space for the first time. Everybody, um, not everybody, but there was a, there was a there was a crowd of people that were like, "Are you selling out?" You know, mm-hmm. by taking a Reebok check to then go to Barcelona, it's like, well, not mm-hmm. really, in my eyes, because the way we justify it is that they gave us a blank canvas, they promoted the hell out of our brand. Reebok is an awesome shoe brand that. Unfortunately, it isn't as big as it should be now, but you know, um, loved the product, uh, loved the story. It's British. It just it felt right at the time, and they mm-hmm. just gave us this canvas to create. And there was very little kind of there, there was a, a very loose creative brief. Um, and those are the kinds of brands that we want to align with. Is you know they let us do our thing yeah. rather than tell us what to do. And you know we're just painting adverts. That's not what we want to do. Sure, of course. So. Are there times? Um, when you've gotten that wrong, you've been overprotective or underprotective and had to... Yeah, I think so. Uh, definitely, you make certain moves that you maybe think could have, you could have gone a different way. I think I'm trying to rack my brains. It's hard to think of one okay. big mistake, Good. which is hard, but I know there is one. I'm just trying to think. Um, uh, you know, we did a Chevy road trip tour for South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, the, when they were doing that. Yeah, so, it was yeah. like a long time ago, seven, yeah. eight years ago. But there was parts of that that were awesome. Um, driving from Detroit to Austin and recording just all these mad moments and having a lot of fun on camera. Um, but the battles were restrictive from what I remember. There was a lot of like do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first project where we'd like signed up to something that paid us again a record amount of money. So we were like, okay, this is cool. And we just jumped in with sure. maybe not asking all the right questions. Whereas now we're a bit mature. Like we, we, we've kind of like, we know what to ask and, and how to navigate and where to stay strong and say Seeker Walls is best in this format. And this mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. we operate with, with, with partnerships and collaborations. So that was probably one that was, 
huge at the time and uh, there was lots of good parts but then there were some bits that were like yeah we kind of maybe shouldn't have signed up to that part you know Fair so, so it felt very chevy on stage you yeah, know yeah. we kind of got drowned out a little bit right so sorry i, I don't know if i'm allowed to name check brands yeah. but yeah, there you go so, yeah, we're not sponsored <laughs> by chevy we're sponsored by ford so yeah, there you uh, go. we can talk all the chevy <laughs> um you know i think it's interesting that the the, the the issue, the concept of selling out, right? And, yeah. it, and I think it's changed very much over the years. I think from where I sit, that doesn't come up nearly as much as it used to. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, if that's, uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of reasons. It's changed a lot, you know, yeah. like cause collaborating with Nike, you know, again, great stuff like the Jordan shoe or, sure. or, or the North Face collection that you just done. Uh, is it mm -hmm. North Face? But, but then some people might question that and say, well, North Face were one of those brands that just ripped off Futura. And then there's that argument. And again, everyone's yeah. got to make their own decisions. Yep. The collection looked awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know North Face as a brand, but I, you know, the product's great. But the, the thing they did against Futura was, was pretty blatant, you know. For sure. Um, but yeah, they got called out and maybe they apologized. I'm not sure how that went, but I think, I think yeah, brands, brands in this space is, is definitely widely accepted now from mm -hmm. most artists or all artists that I work with you know including like the OG Slicks and mm -hmm. those like hardcore kind of graffiti guys like everybody is looking for a good opportunity with with a brand now whereas 10 years ago it was it was kind of a weird place to be some mm -hmm. artists just didn't want to go in that world because they felt like they were crossing a line but I feel like all that's just disappeared now and there's just there's infinite you know opportunity if you you know choose choose the right collabs yeah so. yeah it seems like now there's a new minefield right in, yeah in, in uh, whether it's cancel culture or, or you know corporate responsibility like all those yeah maybe the stuff we used to care about we don't care about and now there's a whole new set of things yeah yeah again it's like um, there's a you know we're trying to do good is part of our brand like giving back to trying to work with kids and inspiring kids sure. you know, work with a lot of good charities and stuff but again that influences maybe the brands that you want to align with mm -hmm. so you know like um, certain brands that have good foundations so we have like a little checklist now of, 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 of a perfect kind of collab and we try and stick as closely to that as we can nice um, sometimes you have to compromise on areas like creatively and you know you kind of have to find a balance but I think again that's just part of um part of that that kind of new world like you know negotiating and just being strong you know sure. in, in the space that you're in yeah so it's time to reboot your credit card with apple card apple card gives you up to three percent unlimited daily cash back it's real cash you can spend right away no need to wait and wait for rewards apply now in the wallet app on iphone to see your credit limit offer with no impact to your credit score Subject to credit approval, daily cash is available via an Apple Cash card or as a statement credit. See Apple Card customer agreement for terms and conditions. Apple Cash card is issued by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Accepting an Apple Card after your application is approved will result in a hard inquiry, which may impact your credit score. What's it? So you've got this community that you've built that you know follows and, and ideally is is engaged, and obviously mm -hmm. they have ideas and reactions to what you do. So how do you process, you know, taking in feedback and engaging with your community, yeah, and then still making decisions that maybe not everybody's going to love? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, back in the day, it would be very tight. It was a tight circle of fifty artists, sure, you know, telling us their dreams and mm -hmm. things that they wanted to do and the places they wanted to go to. So we were building European tours and things off the back of a small squad of London artists, uh, uh, mainly. And then they right. kind of, you know, blended into Europe. But um, these days where it's like a thousand, two thousand artists that have connected and worked with us over the years, um, I, I feel like we could do a better job. This is one of the areas that... Um, I'm always talking to the lads about uh, how we can step up communication, transparency. And now with this, like, even though we're still a team of five, we've got a million things on our plate. How do we keep the flow between artists, sequel wars, artists, sequel wars? Don't have all the answers yet, but it's a thing that me and Max, um, we're normally the guys on the front line talking to the artists about certain projects or battles. So there's definitely a, a clean 
transparent chat about creativity and the event we're building, that still happens. But I'm trying to work out a way of um, talking to the larger groups as, as we kind of grow and, and, and kind of evolve into different spaces. And obviously there's all the discords and we, we're not on that yet, but that's mm -hmm. something that we're looking at. Just sure. watching other brands and collectives operate in places like that. Twitter's pretty new to us, to be honest, but I, obviously there's a huge community mm -hmm. there. So we're just trying to get a little bit better at um, opening up certain spaces in the future. So I think that you'll see that um, soon. Love, this is a whole rabbit hole conversation, probably hours long, but like the DAOs. I don't know if yeah. you've seen or read much about DAOs, sure. but the whole crypto like DAO uh, thing uh, and the structure of that in my head sounds dreamlike, but then I'm starting to hear some bad stories about certain DAOs. But I do like the idea of community has a stake and then votes mm -hmm. and then it's snapshotted and certain things happen because that's where community voted. So I'm trying to read more into that, talking to a lot of web-free crypto folks um, that build DAOs and things and probably going to be somewhere, you know, along the lines we'll be inspired or test that out. Um, mm -hmm. Not sure if it will be a full DAO, but like I think there's there's business models and collectives I see out there that are doing a good job of um, kind of being a, there's like a you know there's very, the various like hybrid models that, mm -hmm. that allow all of their creative members to feel like they've got a voice. So yeah, just always exploring, always trying to learn. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, the short answer is it's it's tough, but I think we do a decent job. You know, over the years um, as a small unit, we've kind of as we've traveled globally i think we've always tried our hardest to make sure the artists are diverse the artists have a voice you know we we, we we've always been aware of of certain you know things in the scene and, and trying to you know just do right to the artist like that we, we call it the silent mentality which is support your local artist um and that's kind of every deck or thought we have is is kind of built and connected back to Scylla. If it doesn't make sense to our Scylla DNA, then we have to kind of double question it and maybe mm. throw it out. So there's- Interesting. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of internal checks. So how does that work? You know, we think of this global culture, but you know, my experience, you know, there's, there's big differences from one part of the world to the other. And mm -hmm. even, you know, as you're saying, coming from London, you have a different perspective on graffiti and street mm -hmm. art than, yeah. than somebody coming from LA or New York and then, when you go around the world, so how do you um, how do you think about that balance, right? Between really reflecting the local culture, I mean, you, you're hosting mm -hmm. battles all over the world. Yeah. I had no idea that you were you guys were as global as you are. Yeah, um, previously, right? The, the last two years, very very LA sure, sure, sure. <laughs> shut down. Right. But but I uh, think before yeah. that it was like 50 plus countries, right? Yeah. yeah. So how do you do that? Go into a market and kind of respect and reflect the local culture while at the same time bringing the global perspective. Yeah, I mean, um, that we've been lucky enough to get to all those countries over the years. And um, I think the first thing is make sure you're working with local artists. Don't just fly a crew of, you know, Americans or Brits into sure. Japan and expect to fill a room. So we've always, our concept has always been flexible enough to allow us to use a local host that's going to speak the local language or, or, or speak English and Japanese or English and Spanish or wherever mm -hmm. we are. Um, and then also, yeah, work with local DJs. So it's always, again, support your local artists. It's always the silent thing first. Mm -hmm. And then if we've got the opportunity and the budget, let's then like send in some of the big guns that, that we feel add value you know like if it's a, a greg mike um you know from atlanta you know who's now a pretty big deal flying sure. into england for the first time and we can build a story around that then let's do it you know so but it's always build local first and mm -hmm. then add those international kind of guests second um, yeah. but i think if you've got the local part right then you're it's going to be great you know it's it's you're going to fill a room and you're going to put on a good show um but yeah, try and pepper um, a little bit, you know, find that balance. So maybe it's like 60, 40, 70, 30 in, in kind of local, sure. you know, talent favor. Yeah. Uh, that's helped. That's kind of got us to where we are today. Uh, and I've seen very few failures. I've been to most of those shows across most of those countries. And again, just outside of the battle, learning about the culture and mm -hmm. 
that's the bit that no one sees through Instagram or for our videos is the the experience that, that we have that, that again, now that I'm getting older, I'm reflecting on past 16 years, it's like very lucky to have been toured, you know, all these cities by those local artists to then point out the best restaurants and the, the best underground speakeasy and the coolest like hangs and nice. and just the culture in general, just like a temperature check. Like you don't get that as a tourist, but um, we've always had this like kind of um, secret pass because mm -hmm. you connect with those right F folks that you know open the city up to you uh, because they trust you right so yeah that's a maybe that that's a hard thing to do for uh, you can't maybe that can't just be copied in a way but i think if if, uh, if you build that way with that intention then i think that's the that's what's that's what served us well yeah so yeah yeah that makes sense i, I love that and, and i think you know my own experience um you know when we've created programs, you know, that go into different markets and mm -hmm. it's all about connecting the, you know, the locals maybe with their heroes that they never get yeah, to yeah. meet or definitely or forging new, you know, the up and coming guys in two different markets that, you know, end up collaborating or, or stuff like that. That's the magic as well. Yeah. And that's what we saw in our very low budget version of our first tour. When we drove around Europe, it was we were bringing a couple of Brits along for the ride, but sure. we were working, it was like, it's kind of like England versus Am uh, Holland, Amsterdam, mm -hmm. England versus Germany. And we kind of created these like country battles, but um, it was the connectivity of sending artists to different countries for the first time that, that I started to hear stories from artists that had never really traveled before that all of a sudden were on a flight to go do a sequels. And they were like, oh, I hung out with this like local crew and I made friends for life and I learned this and this inspired me. And, and then collaborations and projects are born out of that, right? And mm -hmm. sequels plays a tiny part in connecting those dots. But I think we realized quite quickly that the event outside of the competition, it was that some of the press had noticed it pretty quickly. It was a, a safe kind of creative, in, you know, it wasn't too cool for school. It was kind of a place where you had a mixed crowd that people could come, be inspired, but also meet other like-minded folks. And mm -hmm. that was something, again, we didn't build by design, but it kind of somehow became a thing. And that's something that we're trying to continue to like remember and bottle up as we build is, sure. is, is how do you, um, how do you, you know, create those, 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 you know, same moments, those, those kinds of spaces. And, yeah, that was the value that we were given to artists. Yeah. Um, and you're right, like it's when you fly certain artists in that are their heroes. We did that in Jakarta and a lot of the Jakarta guys, super talented, but don't have the means to travel. Sure. They, haven't, they haven't got the dollars, but skill-wise, they're as good as any of the guys here in America. Mm -hmm. um, but we flew some big guns in and, and we all got drunk together and battled together and it was just like a whole life-changing kind of moment. And, That's cool. and now it's opened up channels and we're yeah. trying to bring them over here and you know again it's it's just cool to see so sure that kind of exchange uh, is, is dope so one of the things i've always loved about graffiti is the the competitive nature of it right that um uh, you know i always said like I don't, I don't know if monet and manet were like battling it out That's right it. Uh, at least not in the direct sense of you know of what you do and you know we've heard stories from some of the ogs of like uh, you know, guys getting thrown off the roofs and, mm -hmm. and graffiti was tied up with gangs and and the the competition was not friendly. Yeah. Right. Um, do you run into that at all? Like, is there is, you know, I think obviously you're trying to keep it competitive. Yeah. And, and people take it really seriously. It's, there's been some heated moments on stage. Sure. We, not many, but I, I, there's been some chairs thrown, you know, artists mm -hmm. versus artists and yeah. certain graffiti crew pissed because certain other artists lost and yeah. you know we've had some crazy times but that, I look at that as like you know it adds to the entertainment you know yeah, for sure. we, we look at like UFC and, and and boxing and wrestling as ways to like you know can, you know inspire ourselves to create a better show and when there's that emotion like that in the room obviously not dangerous like that's not something that we endorse but if it's, if it's a little bar scrap or mm -hmm. a chair flying that that's only adds to the story sure you know we've seen artists like line someone else out on the other side which mm -hmm. isn't very sportsmanlike but at the time it was a, a world it's, first for it's us. relevant to the culture yeah and sure. he had a graffiti beef with certain other artists and yeah. had to make a certain message and I was pissed at the time. I was like, wow, okay, you just destroyed guy's work. But 
I look back on it and when I see him in the pub, you kind of laugh about it and, um, you know. So, yeah, it kind of comes into it, but it's not, it's never been that serious or sure. dangerous. But um, there are some graffiti artists that are in and out of trouble mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I'm aware of certain stories. But, yeah, it doesn't really come into the arena so much of Secret Walls. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hear stories from, like, Slick and the boys here. L.A. seems crazy back in oh, the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just hear now as, like, the old days. You know, right. It's like guns and bullets flying and gangs, yep. and that doesn't really happen in London. Sure. <laughs> it was like, I think knife crime's a thing, but yeah. guns don't really exist so much in England. And, and uh, yeah, gang... we, love, we love our guns out here. Yeah, yeah. Gang, gang violence is similar to, like, Japan in England. It's, like, it's very hidden. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you don't really, you don't really see it sure it's but out, out here from the, some of the stories i was told and you know all the way back to the riots there was like some insane insane times you know definitely so um and so you know how, how do you how do you think about uh, you're working you know at the same time with huge brands hmm. that care a lot about brand safety yeah um about you know the, the kind of your point you've got these uh, conditions that you want your partners to meet, they have as well, right? So, yeah. um, you, but you've been really successful at taking a kind of illegal, subversive art form and bringing it to some of the biggest brands in the world. Yeah. How, how do you do that? That's been the thing I've had to learn from scratch was translate. In the early days, it was harder because you were trying to sell this culture and these artists to a brand and say this is safe and it's going to be family friendly and we can behave ourselves and you know kind of have to beg a little bit more like give us a chance you know now it's it's kind of easier because we've got a million case studies to point out and go this is what we did over here and we know the kinds of artists that fit that brief and you know it just comes second nature it's like okay you gave me this creative brief uh, uh, soccer inspired there's certain artists that love soccer and draw certain things that i'll go straight to but um slick's maybe always i I used his name already a bunch of times but slick and mls we did last year Mm -hmm. again Certain brands might be scared of a, an artist like a Slick and past history or, or just the connection between certain crews. Mm-hmm. But MLS are pretty safe as well and are, are a solid like supporter and client of ours. And um, it was, it's, it's a conversation and, and certain questions might come up. Like, you know, and there, there might be a do's and don'ts list of there, this is a mm-hmm. family-friendly crowd, so can we stick to this and don't do that? And no drawing of guns and knives and drugs and... So right. that stuff comes up, and yeah. I just have to, I'm the guy that's translating between Slick and, and the brand, and, and that was actually an easy conversation, and Slick was allowed to do pretty much what he wanted within reason, built, mm-hmm. built a sculpture, made a L.A. hand mural in the um, kind of colorway of that all-star game. But other than that, MLS respected us as artists and creatives and was like, let Slick be Slick. But just, um, yeah, let's stick and be inspired by this brief. And, and I know Slick's super pro. And sure. again, it was, it was an easy one. But sometimes, you know, as long as artists tell us what they're comfortable in doing and not doing, I suppose mm-hmm. that's just part of the daily hustle is, is, is trying to locate the right artist, explain the brief, get that kind of do's and don'ts list from the brand. Some are more sensitive than others. And then, um, and then just have those conversations. Sometimes they, they opt out and say, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, it's very rare because I feel like me and Max have kind of got a, again, a, 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 you know, there's a certain, done it so many times that you just know who's sure. going to be into it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the dollars might not be right or sometimes the creative brief might not be right, you know. It's, but again, we kind of know where certain people net out and what people's feelings are. So... Um, I also think the more you do it, right, the more the community becomes more comfortable. Yeah. Right. And they say, okay, well, you know, Slick did it or, you know, all these other people. So yeah. I guess I can find a space for myself in there as well. Yeah. And I, and every, you know, artists know that, that what we are as a brand and um, I think they, they expect a certain level of creativity mm-hmm. and curation. So usually I, 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 there's very few projects where, again, I, I feel it was a failure or we sold out because I don't think we've done anything that's like a complete flop. But I yeah. think, there's, there's times where it could have been better. Um, sure. But yeah, you learn from that and, and, um, and kind of, 
I think artists, again, having the artist support and trust is key for a brand like us. If we don't have that, then the, we are, we, we, we're, not, we're not in business, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's built on artist trust and communication, which is kind of why I'm obsessed with this like whole new Web3 world of how do we all communicate and benefit and yeah. you know, there's all the other business monetary things with blockchain and all this new stuff that allows you to disrupt the old school art scene and maybe kind of, you know, just, I don't want to say destroy, but like it turns the gallery model of gallery gets lion's share, right, right, right. artist gets whatever left. Mm-hmm. Everything changes now. And this is the kind of new world that really excites me. It's like Secret Wars can play a really big part in that because we've been fighting that fight for a long time. Mm. But within, there's only, there were certain things we could and couldn't do before this, this kind of Web3 blockchain world. Now there's like, what we do with the art, uh, you know, and all these other opportunities that that, that, that present themselves. So, mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, it's exciting, man. Yeah, I mean, talk about that a little bit more. So you're you're 16 years in, and um, you know, I know as as an entrepreneur, it's it's a grind, and mm-hmm. it's you know, I think keeping your own head in the game, yeah, is sometimes the challenge, uh, and and you go to managing people and investors and brands and you know all that stuff so how do you and, and now you're exploring all this technology side right so so how do you kind of monitor yourself and stay excited and engaged and yeah um i also had a kid like he's two and a half so mm. he, he was born a month before the pandemic oh, started wow. so i became a new parent sure. as well which was a challenge you know yeah, yeah, still figuring that out of course um so yeah, I don't have as much time as I like. Yeah. Uh, I don't go out as much as I used to. Social life is not the same, but um, yeah, yeah. no regrets and love being a dad. Um, but yeah, like basically having the right team around you to go to the shows that now I can't go to and making sure that we're finger on the pulse, you know, in this LA scene and, you know, as far as London and back and just trying to stay in tune. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, wearing a lot of hats is just something that I've had to, learn to deal with it's not perfect um, sure. kind of being the CEO the founder all of a sudden you're physically producing a battle because mm-hmm. we're a small team and, and I enjoy it I like being on the front line so we did two battles last week and I'm out there on stage you know with the producer just supporting I just like being near the artist making sure they're happy they got a beer in their hand pen pens juiced up everything's mm-hmm. ready to go it's just an obsessive thing in my head that's where we started like painting the white walls you know ready for the battle it's just all hard to pull back from yeah but i'm I'm, I'm, yeah i'm learning how to uh kind of uh, maybe step back a little bit and you've got to trust your team a little bit more and as you hire new people you've got to delegate a little bit more that's all part of my new learning curve is is as i get older and as the business grows and we're about to add another 10 people over the next six to 12 months so we're already actively identifying and interviewing and it's a whole thing. It's all new to me. So mm-hmm. um, I've, I've hired a CEO, a good friend, um, uh, Kevin, who's based at Chicago. He comes from an agency background. So he's run offices of like 50 plus and mm-hmm. built businesses that are like turning over 20, 30 million dollars a year or whatever. And he's come into this like weird little scrappy sequels job. And I, I've kind of you know, friends for a long time. He brought a lot of cool brands and opportunities to us. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of leaning on people like that because I know that he has, you know, those kinds of people have the experience that, nice. that, that I lack. Yeah. And you just have to recognize that as the founder and, and as, um, you know, just where your weaknesses are and, sure. and, and uh, you know, try and fill the gaps. I mean, that's big. I think for, for most guys in your chair, that's, you know, the letting go is the hardest it's tough, part. Yeah. It's yeah. tough because every day I'm, I'm, I sometimes emotionally argue about you know not argue but creatively argue about certain parts of the show that that, sure. that that need to stay true to the original and then you know i'm getting better at just allowing the dialogue to flow and end up at a place where everyone's happy yeah because kev now looks at it from business side of things because he's ceo and that's what he's there to do is to like bring the, the next hire in and make sure we're being efficient and then i'm there as founder with a lot of passion, mainly for the arts, less mm-hmm. so for the dollars. And I love the fact that he's now focused on the money, really, and I can get back into culture. And totally. that's 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 the sweet that's spot. And I think that's 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 important. But yeah, still still even with him, you know, we're still always you always feel short, like you need a 
need more people and, mm-hmm. and, and um, of course kind of going from an investor never chat goes away. yeah like we the, me and Kevin talking about last week it's in one day last week we had an investor pitch where we kind of don't really know if we even need investment but we kind of just have a, have the calls because we mm-hmm. like to just explore sure. so it's like we were in this weird room talking about investment then we jumped into a client call talking about the coolest battle that we've got this year hopefully then you kind of take the how off and you're calling an artist and just catching up and then all of a sudden you know you're being a dad and you know i work from home a lot so sure kind of go into that mode yeah nice and then you go back into chasing an invoice and just stressing about a certain like set of tasks that might not have been done and you mm-hmm. know production mode so i was saying to kev like you we're still splitting ourselves in quite a few areas and it's stressful but it's also no regrets it's like i wouldn't want to be doing a, a nine to five job um i'm i'm super happy that that some days are harder than others and every week's kind of different to me it's like you know we're not doing a it's not an office job you know yeah, so, for sure so I'm, I'm super again i try and as you get older you kind of get soft and try and i try and reflect a little bit more just appreciate the the moment mm-hmm. uh, whereas before in the 20s 30s kind of sprinting at a million miles an hour and maybe um didn't appreciate all those like global chapters yeah so i just try and um slow down a little bit more now and and uh and just enjoy that yeah that's big minute by the way you know raising a kid in this culture is super fun yeah i was taking my son to b-boy battles with this guy yeah when he was two three four five years old and uh took him i, I bought him his first piece of art at a risky show oh wow he was seven i let him pick it out and he's got that on his wall and it's like life-changing stuff yeah, as well yeah, for I mean, sure as young as seven to like I mean, I wish I was able to be in those like spaces that yeah, young. Of course. I'm kind of excited as my little guy grows, you know, getting him into soccer and the arts mm-hmm. and kind of he's already been immersed with murals and he's already pointing things out and you can see his brain like working in weird, fun ways. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, excited. Yeah, uh, it makes to, you appreciate it from a whole different perspective. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really excited to kind of kind of show him our little world that we've built and see what comes out of it and see, see, you know, see what he chooses to do. Love so it. It's going to be cool. Love it. Well, let me do a quick uh, lightning round before we let yeah. you get back to work. Um, okay. Uh, which favorite city to travel to? Historically Tokyo. Been there 10 plus times and was obsessed by it. Um, Love it. And want to get back. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Tokyo. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick to that. I love it. Who's your favorite DJ? D. Mm, I mean, weirdly, no one probably knows who it is, but DJ Yoda comes to mind. Oh, yeah. yeah, like an old funny remix, copy and paste. Like how guy. To cut and paste. Yeah, cut and paste. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't really listen to his work, work in music very much anymore. But just a f- crazy fun. Yeah, yeah. D, yeah you know, I remember all, you. all DJ Shadow. Other than that, you know. So yeah, it's that kind of vibe. Nice. What's the last great book you read or listened to? The wife says I don't read books very well. <laughs> I buy books, so I don't read them. Yeah. I got I got a mounting of books that I, I kind of think I'm going to read and I never read. Um, but Tipping Point was one that I actually finished. Cool. Uh, so I'll probably stick to that. That was in the early days of... of uh, That's of, a good one. Yeah. What movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Probably war, Warriors, because I was obsessed by nice. that for a while. Um, yeah, probably Warriors, yeah. It's a great movie. And Battle Royale, do you remember that one? No. Japanese. Oh, no, I don't know. A lot of uh, American spin-offs, maybe. Okay. But it was kind of, I think they made a second one that flopped, but definitely check that out. It's quite, quite gory, but it's kind of like a bunch of like outcast kids, similar to um, what was the Korean Netflix thing that was massive last year? Oh, uh, uh, Parasite. Uh, 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 no, Squid Game. Squid Game. Yeah. Kind of Squid Game's copied Battle Royale. Battle okay. Royale's like 20 years old. Oh, wow. I feel like everyone's copied it in a way. But yeah, the Japanese kids got sent to an island and then they had to survive. And, you know, law, um, uh, there was one winner, you know, and they all got given scrappy weapons and nice. yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. But. Did you see Rebel Kings? Rebel Kings. Rebel Kings. No. You have to Rebel watch it. King. It's the it's the documentary. Oh, hang on. Basically, I'm, that Warriors is based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I met the director. Um, Did you? I forget his name, but yeah, yeah. randomly I met met him at a party, and he told me he was pitching and raising money for that. 
And I know, right. I, I know I've never seen it. It's great. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the it's the true story behind the Warriors. Okay, all right, amazing. Have to check that out. Um, who's somebody that you've learned a lot from that you've never met? Um, never met. Um, geez, big question. Uh, I used to say like Branson, but I don't resonate really with his latest moves sure. you know I used to like his entrepreneurial kind of vibes yeah. back in the day when he was like Virgin Music and Virgin Atlantic seemed like he kind of lost his way yeah he, yeah, feels Which like it could, we should all be so lucky to yeah. have that luxury yeah you know he was like that guy jumped in a hot air balloon and just put himself on the front line and started Virgin Atlantic with not a lot of money and kind of just hustled And but now mm-hmm. he's, it's different times but yeah Branson, I was was someone that I always thought would be a cool conversation. Um, but in in real life, if I'm allowed to answer, someone that I was was looking up to, but then got a chance to meet and work for, was was Mark Echo. Um, mm, sure. You know, original graffiti streetwear guy. He gave us the first American show, and uh, and as someone that I kind of really want to reconnect with because he, he, when we were in the early days of Secret Walls, that first show in New York. Um, did this battle in his like basketball office court thing and he was making loads of money from Echo clothing and mm-hmm. just released that graffiti game and mm-hmm. he was like you know on top of the world and then I think a few years later went bankrupt but he was good enough to like give us 30 minutes of just young kids trying to hustle nice. and make it in America and he was just giving us pointers and uh yeah kind of that that really stuck um so yeah, I think nice. Echo was um, a big influence in where we are today. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, since you know we have a lot of grad fans listen to the show? Who are some young guys that we should have our eyes on? Yeah, young artists. Um, Nina Paluma, uh, awesome LA-based artist. Um, she just kind of character illustrations, um, a bit of everything, VR. Physical illustration, you know, like all artists, that's super hybrid. Um, Gabe Galt, his dad's like a Super Bowl winner, but he's cool. this like amazing portrait artist that's killing it. I think he just did NFL draft, mm. uh, VR murals in the metaverse. Um, who else? Uh, Dragon76, Japanese artist based out of New York. Okay. He's got a studio in the World Trade Center. Right. Super humble, insane, doing a lot of stuff for, like Kevin Durant and things, mm. but... Yeah, super humble. Those are the three that come to mind, but there's, there's so many. So many. Yeah. Of course. Um, Last one, if I worked for Secret Walls, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Uh, probably Silas, like, like I say it like 20 times a day, but um, yeah, that, I'll probably stick with that. I'll probably say it too much, but it's ingrained in the brain. So. All right. Yeah. Love it. Man, thanks uh, for doing this. Cool, this man. So much thanks. Fun. Yeah, I forgot to wear my nice sneakers. I, nah, I totally yeah. forgot there was a camera. So, <laughs> so uh, you're all good. You're representing Reebok. Yeah, I know. Again, I just, it's uh, they're comfortable, you know. Um, Classics are the best. I need to replace these. I'd literally wear them on all productions. But nah, nothing no. wrong with Classics. Appreciate it. Yeah, right on, man. Cool. Thank you. Yo, that was Terry Guy on Rebel Radio. Make sure you check out Secret Walls online. Go to a show. Uh, buy some stuff. I don't know. New support. Support. Um, and most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.